This is the Training Raw Stories Podcast. After Hours. After Hours. What does that mean? This is where I read you an excerpt or a story from a book that I'm reading that really inspired me and made me go, damn, people need to know this. So here's a story of a guy who was told he had cancer when he actually didn't. Pay attention to his thoughts and how his experience changed because of his thoughts. This is a really good one. And it's from Dr. Joe Dispenza's You Are the Placebo. Sam Londy, a retired shoe salesman living outside of St. Louis in the early 1970s, began to have difficulty swallowing. He eventually went to see a doctor who discovered that Londy had metastatic esophageal cancer. In those days, metastatic esophageal cancer was considered incurable. No one had ever survived it. It was a death sentence, and Londy's doctor delivered the news in an appropriately somber tone. To give Londy as much time as possible, the doctor recommended surgery to remove the cancerous tissue in the esophagus and in the stomach where the cancer had spread. Trusting the doctor, Londy agreed and had the surgery. He came through as well as could be expected, but things soon went from bad to worse. A scan of Londy's liver revealed still more bad news, extensive cancer throughout the liver's entire left lobe. The doctor told Londy that sadly, at best, he had only months to live. So Londy and his new wife, both in their 70s, arranged to move 300 miles to Nashville, where Londy's wife had family. Soon after the move to Tennessee, Londy was admitted to the hospital and assigned to internist Clifton Meter. The first time Dr. Meter walked into Londy's room, he found a small, unshaven man curled up underneath a mound of covers, looking nearly dead. Londy was gruff and uncommunicative, and the nurse explained that he'd been like that since his admission a few days before. While Londy had high blood glucose levels due to his diabetes, the rest of his blood chemistry was fairly normal, except for slightly higher levels of liver enzymes, which was to be expected of someone with liver cancer. Further medical examination showed nothing more amiss, a blessing considering the patient's desperate condition. Under his new doctor's orders, Londy begrudgingly received physical therapy, a fortified liquid diet, and lots of nursing care and attention. After a few days, he grew a little stronger and his grumpiness started to subside. He began talking to Dr. Meter about his life. Londy had been married before, and he and his first wife had been true soulmates. They'd never been able to have children before, but otherwise had a good life. Because they loved boating, when they retired, they had bought a house by a large man-made lake. Then late one night, the nearby earthen dam burst, and a wall of water crushed their house and swept it away. Londy miraculously survived by hanging on to some wreckage, but his wife's body was never found. I lost everything I ever cared for, he told Dr. Meter. My heart and soul were lost in the flood that night. Within six months of his first wife's death, while still grieving and in the depths of depression, Londy had been diagnosed with esophageal cancer and had had the surgery. It was then that he had met and married his second wife, a kind woman who knew about his terminal illness and agreed to care for him in the time he had left. A few months after they married, they made the move to Nashville, and Dr. Meter already knew the rest of the story. Once Londy finished the story, the doctor, amazed by what he'd just heard, asked with compassion, what do you want me to do for you? The dying man thought for a while. 
I'd like to live through Christmas so I can be with my wife and her family. They've been good to me, he finally answered. Just help me make it through Christmas. That's all I want. Dr. Meter told Londie he would do his best. By the time Londie was discharged in late October, he was actually in much better shape than when he had arrived. Dr. Meter was surprised but pleased by how well Londie was doing. The doctor saw his patient about once a month after that, and each time Londie looked good. But exactly one week after Christmas, on New Year's Day, Londie's wife brought him back to the hospital. Dr. Meter was surprised to find that Londie again looked near death. All he could find was a mild fever and a small patch of pneumonia on Londie's chest x-ray, although the man didn't seem to be in any respiratory distress. All of Londie's blood tests looked good, and the cultures the doctor ordered from him came back negative for any other disease. Dr. Meter prescribed antibiotics and put his patient on oxygen, hoping for the best, but within 24 hours, Sam Londie was dead. As you might assume, this story is about a typical cancer diagnosis followed by an unfortunate death from a fatal disease, right? Not so fast. A funny thing happened when the hospital performed Londie's autopsy. The man's liver was, in fact, not filled with cancer. He had only a very tiny nodule of cancer in his left lobe and another very small spot on his lung. The truth is, neither cancer was big enough to kill him. And in fact, the area around his esophagus was totally free of disease as well. The abnormal liver scan taken at the St. Louis Hospital had apparently yielded a false positive result. Sam Londy didn't die of esophageal cancer, nor did he die of liver cancer. He also didn't die of the mild case of pneumonia he had when he was readmitted to the hospital. He died, quite simply, because everybody in his immediate environment thought he was dying. His doctor in St. Louis thought Londy was dying, and then Dr. Meter in Nashville thought Londy was dying. Londy's wife and family thought he was dying too. And most important, Londy himself thought he was dying. Is it possible that Sam Londy died from thought alone? Is it possible that thought is that powerful? And if so, is this case unique? I always tell people that stress causes illness. And in this case, Londi was so stressed over the loss of his wife and his soul. He said he was so hurt and distraught and grieving and in so much pain and loss that he manifested this illness. Think about your own life in your own environment. What's around you? Who's in your life? Are they negative? Are they complaining? Are they bringing you down or are they uplifting you? Are you thinking negative thoughts like you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not skinny enough or whatever? Your thoughts are creating your reality. Whatever you believe to be true will be your experience. Sam Londy believed he had cancer and he believed he was dying. Everyone in his environment believed the same. So as soon as he lived through Christmas, he believed he would make it through Christmas. So he did. And as soon as Christmas was over, he died just a week later. That should show you this is something that is true and real. There's so much research backing all of this information about your mind and your thoughts and your emotions creating your life. 
I hope you feel inspired to take inventory of what your thoughts are and what your beliefs are and take a look at what your reality is and reverse engineer it. Look back at what your thoughts and your beliefs are based on what your current experience is because then you'll be able to take note, reframe, and create new beliefs, create new thoughts to start thinking and believing so that your future doesn't look like your past or your present. Rate and review this podcast for me, Thank you. Love you. Have a great night. Share it with someone. Okay, bye.